we're going to start out, where are we reading from? Does anybody remember? Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to throw you a curve this morning. If you possibly can, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Can we do that? Chapter 5 and verse 1, we're going to go down through about uh, verse 9, and we'll read them all, but we're going to go back and we're going to look at just one. You know, last week we talked about, uh, or last time I spoke, we talked about the poor in spirit. Now, we know there are spirited people uh, that's not with the Lord. High-spirited, wrong-spirited, high, uh, all these kinds of different spirits. But he was talking about those that are broken in spirit. You can't get saved until you get broken in spirit and realize you need a Savior. And so this all plays on the, on the next thing. If you can't get the first thing right, the rest of it doesn't fall into place. It doesn't make any sense. You won't want it if that makes sense. So we're going to start reading now verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Amen. You know what blessed means? You're happy. Hard to see that in this world. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and I, I for one, I submit myself, and I pray, Holy Ghost, that you will work through me and use me this morning as you see fit. And I pray that for every heart that's in here, Lord, I pray that you will do the work that they seek and what they need today. For we know that it's not what I can do, but it's all about what you can do. And I pray, Lord, that you'll move in this house in an abundant way. And Father, we ask this so that you will be glorified, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You see, the world... says that uh, if you're mourning, that that's not a good thing. The world says that how in the world is that a good thing? But that's not what the Bible says. What Jesus says is that blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Has anybody in here ever been in mourning? Over a lost loved one. Over a situation in your life. Or a loved one's life. Have you ever mourned for your community? Have you ever mourned for your church? Have you ever mourned for your country, your nation? Have you ever mourned for the people in this world? Time is getting short. And our Heavenly Father, He is not willing that anybody should perish. Now, when we get that inside of us, that's the mourning that he's talking about. It is okay to mourn when someone passes. It's not okay to be mourning months or years later, and it keeps you from enjoying life and doing the things that God gives you. Jesus wept, remember, when Lazarus died. He showed up late. He had a reason. We talked about that. 
But he showed us it's okay to weep. It's okay to mourn over the loss of a loved one, even though knowing in just a few more minutes he was going to get him out of the grave. He showed us that to show us the picture that if we have those that we love and they are saved and they've gone on before us, if we are saved and stay true to the Lord, then we will join them. Whether it be by the grave. Some of us sitting here today may go by the grave before, we, before this thing happens. But some of us sitting here today, I believe with all my heart, will be here when the trumpet sounds and we're called up to meet them in the air. I believe it with all my heart. Time is getting very, very short. And yet Jesus, he gives us a sermon that not only was for the guys back then, it's for the guys and gals today. Amen. And so... The world tells us that all we have to do is take things and change them. If we will change the condition, then men will change. That's what the world says. And by the way, in America, we live it. Even the Christians say amen because it's true. They tell us that if we have, we shouldn't be having any sorrow, we shouldn't be having any pain, we shouldn't be having any hurts. And they think that if we can change conditions, we can change the character of a man. Can I tell you that won't happen? It will not happen. By the way, we're going to face things. We are going to face things. But it's for the glory of God. I told you, God never told me he was going to heal me. I don't reckon I'll ever walk again like I was unless God moves. Do you understand that? I won't be jumping off of this platform ever again like I used to. I fell off one time, by the way, first time I ever preached. Got everybody to laugh. I'm going to keep my distance because I don't want to fall again. But what I'm saying is this. He did say... Every step you take will be for my glory. And I've been taking steps for his glory. I haven't had to, I've been using this stick this week, trying to get used to that, and my muscles, different muscles used for different things. But he kept up on his end of the bargain. I knew that. I laid down there in the bed, and I wasn't worried about if I was going to lose my leg. I wasn't worried about if I would. I knew that I was going to walk again. I didn't know how well I was going to walk, but that's okay. He will be there to strengthen me when I need it. And He will be there for you to strengthen you when you need it. But we have to lean on Him. And we have to be able to see as He sees. See, the Bible teaches just the opposite of changing things. I used to listen to criminals all the time saying, well, we're going to go over to this county or we're going to go over to this state or we're going to go over to this country. And what they failed to realize What's sitting in here, you're going to find over there. You will find it in the next county. You will find it in the next city or the next state because that's what's in you. It's there too. Did you know that? Change conditions and you can change a man's heart? Not so. We think if we had all the money in the world, everything would be great, don't we? People go out and spend their hard-earned money for lottery tickets. I don't know what you do. That's between you and God. Hoping that they'll get some money. But what are you going to have out of that? More trouble, I promise you. There's people you don't even know come out of the woodwork and give you a sob story. 
And you know what happens with the rich? Most of the time they get greedy and they get awful protective of it and then they don't represent Jesus too well. Jesus did say, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get in heaven. I'm not speaking against money and I'm not speaking against stuff this morning, but it's what that stuff does to you. And this is what he's talking about. You see, man was in a perfect environment when he fell. The Garden of Eden, right? That was the perfect environment. But he gave us something called free will. He warned us where the trouble was and stay away from it. But man didn't do that. We can't blame Adam because ain't none of us sitting in here today got it right either. Adam had a nature in him and it's the same nature that you and I have. But changing the circumstances or changing the conditions will not clean up a man or change his character. You see, the world puts emphasis on the conditions, but God, in the Bible, in His Word, He puts emphasis on the character of a man. You see, I don't know if this is pure water or not. They say it is. But that don't make this water pure, does it? I can't paint the outside of this container and make the inside of this container change the water on the inside. I can't make it change, can you? And I've been to some places around the world, and they'd come and they'd get, I was over in India, and they had this thing, and it had this road on it that it was out of the, uh, what's the mountains over where Mount Everest is, the Himalayans. Himalayan Water Company. And so that we wouldn't drink the, out of the wells that they had because our systems are not used to the same microorganisms that they're used to, so that we wouldn't get dysentery and things, they would bring us bottled water. And it came out of the Himalayan mountains. And I asked Brother Browder one day, I said, uh, how do we know this is right? How do we know it didn't come out of a spigot down in Kathmandu? He said, well, we don't. I reckon we're just going to have to depend on the Lord. Just because it said it was from the Himalayan mountains didn't mean it was. You understand that? Just because... We think that conditions and how, I mean, we're all dressed to the nines this morning. We're looking good this morning. We came to church. We know how to sing the songs and play the parts. But I want to ask you this morning one question. I'm going to keep hitting it. Is there anything in your life that affects your walk with God that you're actually mourning over? If you're lost today, you've got plenty to mourn over. But it's a sad day when a Christian, a believer, someone who has the Word of God, something, that, a reference that they can go to. By the way, if you come here, you've been, I've been here for eight years, and you know I'm going to preach it. It might not set well, but if that's what God gives me, that's what we're going to do. And, and whenever, we, whenever we deny the things that God shows us, uh, uh, that's a bad place to be. And instead of fighting against it, that's what he told Paul. He said, don't, don't kick against the pricks. You need to go ahead and submit and let me have your life. That's how he got saved. That's the day that he was saved and he went on this journey to take the word of God to the Gentiles. And he, as he goes through, you go through the New Testament, he wrote a whole bunch of it. But as you go through there, he talks about some of the struggles that he has. As God is showing him and as he is growing, we have to look at ourselves. 
We need to look at our character and we need to allow the Lord to do the work. You see, the Lord looks at the character, not the stuff that we had. The world tells us that popularity, our position, the stuff we got, uh, the power that somebody might have, they may have a bubbly personality. That's not what God looks at. You see, it's easy to walk in here on a Sunday morning, 10 minutes before service starts, shake a few hands. By the way, don't raise your hands, but is there somebody sitting here today that you don't know? Is there somebody sitting here today that you've both been coming here for a long time and you ain't got a clue what their name is? I challenge you this morning to go over and shake hands and introduce yourself. And it's okay if you've got to do it two or three times and let them know who you are and find out who they are and be able to pray for them. Amen? You see, we're supposed to be following the leading of the Lord. And He don't look at the stuff we got. He looks at who we are right here. The character of a man. It's easy to put an act on for a few minutes before service and for a few minutes after a service and then go live our life how we want to. Amen? Jesus is not talking about the people who are the moaners. Anybody know any moaners? Get your minister's license and become a pastor. You'll find out there's a bunch of them around. Oh, I did say that, didn't I, just now? I've got an amen from the minister. He, he understands. They're miserable, sad sacks, crybabies, full of self-pity, you know, oh, poor pitiful me. He's not talking about these things because we're going to have heartaches and troubles in this world. That's not what he's talking about. We all have those. But he says in Psalm 34 and 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. You see, a contrite spirit is a spirit within you that says, you know what? Just like we talked the other Sunday, I need Jesus. As we get sanctified in our lives, I still need to say, I need you, Lord. We're going somewhere this morning with this. I need you, Jesus. That's the only way you get saved. Otherwise, you don't give your life to him. You can come down the aisle. You can say a prayer. You can cry a few tears if you want. But if at that moment you haven't given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation doesn't happen. He, he knows. He knows the character of a man. He knows what goes on behind closed doors. He knows what happens when nobody else is around. He is always there. And a broken and contrite spirit is one that will mourn. Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? I'm not saying nobody's not saved here. That's between you and the Lord. That's not my job. Yeah, by the way, that's not your job neither. But he knows. And until we can have that broken and contrite spirit, only then can we become overcomers. I haven't even seen that movie. I understand it's a good. Anybody seen that movie? Overcomers? I have no idea. All I know is about overcomers. But maybe that's what we'll watch our next movie night, Brother Dave. But the question is, is do the things that break the Lord's heart break your heart? 
We all ask prayer for lost loved ones. We all ask prayer for people that are around us in our community. And it's time for America to get down to the place that we are praying. We're on our face before God and asking Him to move in our nation. Amen. That's a good spot for an amen. And we need to be in prayer. I can't change it. And by the way, neither can you. What's going on in the world ain't going to get changed at the polls. What's going on in the world will get changed inside of the heart. One man, one woman, one child at a time. And it won't be what we're doing. It'll be what he's doing. Only he can get the glory. And when we get to mourning like that, that's what he's talking about. We will be comforted. How many in here today is not too comfortable? Don't raise your hands. This is going on in my life. This is going on in my church. This is going on in the nation. And we know how to point our fingers to what is wrong, but instead of going to God in a mournful prayer, a contrite spirit, we can just point out the problems. Am I right? Did we not do that in, in Bible study or a men's group the other night, Brother Dave? We all know what the problems are. But what do we do about it? It takes good sound teaching. Everybody sitting in this room this morning is not at the same level. But we have to teach. We have to preach. And we got to do it consistently. If you're like me, sometimes you're a bit hard-headed and stubborn. But at some point, we have to be mourners and understand what's going on inside of our hearts and give it over to God and allow Him to come in and to move inside of our hearts. Are we... Mourners, the first one we talked about was about getting saved. But after that, are we mourners so that we can be comforted? <sighs> we spend our time going from one entertainment to the next. Brother Dave, we've done exhausted everything we can do to try to get people to come in on a Saturday night for anything. If the entertainment's right, people will show up. If it's what they're looking for, they will show up. If you give them uh, ten hot dogs apiece and some french fries and a dill pickle and a bottle of Mountain Dew and it's free, they're going to show up. But is anything happening in the lives of the people that are walking through the door? Are we letting them know about Jesus? Are we letting them know about hell? Can I tell you this morning that Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody in the Bible. The loving Son the loving God who loves each and every one of us and every man and boy and woman and child that's been born in this world walking today, He has the love for them to save them. But yet, He talked a whole lot about hell. People are looking to be amused. People are looking to be taken to places that they feel good. Oh, I love to feel good too. Oh, we want to shout and run the aisles. Well, I've got a question for you. How about the Holy Ghost that is within you? Is He speaking to you to stand up and clap your hands? Is He speaking to you to holler out and say amen? To believe in something? Because if He's not what we need now, 
is the comforter. These things, if we see ourselves as God sees us on my best day, friends, on my best day, and I can tell you I don't have a whole lot of them, but on my best day, before a holy and righteous God, I am nothing but filthy, dirty rags. And I thank Him for saving me. Many of y'all have heard the testimony that I have. Stuff I've shared, people say, well, how in the world do you share that with the whole church? Because it ain't my story anymore. It belongs to Jesus. That's what he can do for you. If I'm still ashamed about what I used to be and where I used to go and the things I used to do, uh, it's still about me and it ain't about him. You see, it's the testimony that makes the difference. To be able to tell this is what God has done for me. I ain't got there yet. I haven't got perfect yet, but this is what God has done for me. Do we mourn? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, You have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. We're going to stop right there. We're not going to finish that verse. You see, we all got a list of do's and don'ts, don't we? Our church do's and don'ts. They may or may not line up with the Word of God. Some of them are old wives' tales or fables, which we get warned about over in Timothy, don't we? And your list of do's and don'ts don't match up to what my list of do's and don'ts are. Some things we're together on, but some things we might not be together on. But we all have our list of do's and don'ts. Yours and mine, and they are dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Because they lead to something called P-R-I-D-E. That's what happens with them. Matthew 5 and 27, you have heard it said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, God don't see like you and I see. He looks at the heart. We look at the appearance. We look at the cup to decide whether or not what's in it is good or not. Isn't that what we do? Then we decide. But you see, when we get the heart of God inside of us, the one thing we will be doing, we'll be praying. I just told you, our nation needs prayer. Our church needs prayer. Everybody in here needs prayer. We're going to have a prayer service tonight. Put down what you want to pray for. Better yet, why don't you come out and pray with us? You're going to have an audience with the Lord. Call on Him and let Him minister to us and take us through. You see, we're real good at looking at other people's faults, ain't we? Come on. If we're going to get anything out of this today and let the Holy Ghost have his way, we have got to open up our heart. He already sees it. We need to see it. It's real easy for me to tell you everything is wrong with Marion and everything is wrong with Danny and everything is wrong with Sweetie. It's easy for me to do that. 
The hard part comes is looking at me and seeing what's wrong with me. You see, when you spend your time looking how everybody else measures up, you'll never look at yourself. In fact, you'll never receive truth. It's awful quiet. See, we could say, well, I haven't taken the Lord's name in vain. I haven't worshipped any other idols. I certainly haven't killed anybody. I don't steal anymore. We got our list. We go down through all of these things. I haven't committed adultery, mister or lady. If those lewd pictures that you look at in magazines are on your computer or those videos that you're looking at, according to God, you have committed adultery. And when we talk about that and when we preach about that, when it gets on the toes of the people, you can put anything in there you want. When you start mourning over it, you'll see victory. But if you don't mourn over it, you make excuses for it, that's the worst thing of all. Because you see, sin deceives us. Sin will eventually destroy us. As time goes on, sin will take us out. If you're saved today and this stuff's going on, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have a miserable life. It's up to Jesus whether you get to heaven or not. It's not my place to say but how do you want to spend this life? We're all going to have troubles, we know that. But when I see these people singing up here, and I see you singing out there, we have a bit of joy. We come into church, everybody's smiling and shaking hands. You see, there's something there. For a few moments in time, we can let go of the stuff that's going on in our lives, the stuff that's outside of there, the stuff that's at the job. Uh, we can let it go. But God says... I know what's going on 24-7. Every thought you've ever had, I know it. How in the world could he answer the people when Jesus was walking on the face of the earth and he'd look over at them and he'll say, why does this marvel you? Sometimes he would even answer the question they were asking within themselves. Because God knows. And when we see ourselves before a holy God, we got plenty to mourn over. Amen. I'm not talking to get everybody down. We all want a good, enthusiastic, cheerleading preaching, and we all want that kind of thing. But that's what a lot of people go for because they never hear anything else. There's people sitting in churches they ain't heard about hell probably for 10 years. I don't know. But there's a place called hell that's very real. And we need to hold on to that. Jesus said, 529, if your right eye caused you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you uh, that one of your members perish, than your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish, than that your whole body be cast into hell. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the eyes, the pleasurable things that we can see. 
We have a beautiful earth here. Amen? We have beautiful people here. And I'm not talking in a perverted way. We have beautiful people here. They're made in God's image. We have all kinds of things that we can see. We have all kinds of things that we can feel and touch. Stuff, right? We have those things. i got 15 minutes. i got to hurry. But he's talking about when those things pervert. You see, the devil don't have any original material, folks. He takes what God has and he perverts it. That's what he does. Everybody got one of these? Cell phone? Huh. Two of us do, me and Brother Murphy. How in the world y'all call? You got no phone. How many of you can get on the internet with your phone? How many of you can send texts to people? People you love. We got phones. Let me ask you, is that phone good or bad? You got that right, brother. It depends on what you're going to do with it. You can bless somebody with this, or you can sit in the back room looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, or doing things you shouldn't be doing. You see, this is not the problem. The problem is the man's heart. Amen? It's what sits inside of men that hurts them. It's what the problem is. Hey, is this a tool or is this a weapon? Both. Well, that's right. I could use it to defend me, but I can't move too good, so I'd have to kill somebody with it because I couldn't maim them and get away. But for me, it's a tool. It's helping me to walk right now. But I could use this to hurt somebody, couldn't I? Mm. What about Walmart? Does everybody go to Walmart? Pray through first. <laughs> you know, Walmart sells a lot of bad stuff. It's not good for Christians. They got a movie section in there, and sometimes they got some good deals on them. By the way, the movie you watched here at church last night, I think that's where I got it at. But they also got some stuff I can rent or buy. That's not so good. If the preacher walks in the house or another church person, what you do, you hide the box, you turn it off, and you act like you, you know, turn hymns on like you're singing. Let me tell you something, friend. God's always been there. He knows all about it. Walmart sells the alcohol. Why do you go there? You choose to go, not go down the alcohol aisle. They also sell bread and milk and eggs and bacon. Hmm, getting hungry. What about the car you drive? It's a good thing, isn't it? You got to church this morning. Anybody walk to church this morning? Brother Eddie's not here. We know there's not one in here that would normally do that. But I bet everybody drove this morning or rode beside somebody that was driving, right? You know, that car can be a good thing. It can also be a bad thing to run illegal stuff. It sure can. It can be a bad thing when it's parked in the middle of dark alleys and back roads. You know what I'm talking about. Young teenagers, pay attention. What about your home? 
Is your home a status symbol to those that are around you? Is your home actually a home? Do we want people coming to see us because we want to see them? Or do we not want them to come and see us because they will see our mess? Come out to my house. It's a mess. Well, Sweetie does a good job inside, but outside, it's a mess. I was aiming to get it cleaned up and looking a lot better this year, but it's put on the back burner. But come on out and see me. If you've got to judge me for that, I'll be praying for you. That's the stuff that makes you mourn. Amen? That's the stuff that makes us mourn. Or are you afraid somebody's going to come to your house and make a mess? That's the other one. You see, some people have regret and they have remorse. They cry over the sin. Well, somebody that has regret and remorse, you know what they end up doing? They end up hating themselves because they can't stop. They can't quit. They can't get this changed. But you see, someone who has salvation, someone who has the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart, someone who has the Holy Ghost, they are now an overcomer. And can I tell you, there's some stuff that's got a grip on us today that we need the Holy Ghost to help us to get rid of. You're not going to overcome it otherwise. Well, I don't know if I believe in all that stuff. You best believe it. It's in the Bible. What did the Lord tell us? <laughs> he, he told us that, that we needed to repent. You know what repentance is? Repentance is turning around and going the other way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we don't join church here to be a part of a country club. We join church here to be a part of a community that is growing in the Lord. Amen. Pastor included, everyone that's growing in the Lord. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. How? How will we be comforted? That's a good question, but in John 14 and 15... If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. A helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. I've been trying to receive the Holy Ghost, I just can't get it. You know why? It's about the world. That's in the Bible. Am I right on that or not? If we believe He's real and we believe that He can come in and live in our hearts and that He can convict us and He can direct us and help us to go from one place to the next in the pathway that shows God's light that will give God glory, then don't we need Him? See, the world don't get that. And Jesus said so. And they cannot receive because they neither see him nor know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, what we're talking about is mourning. Whenever we got something going on in our lives and we quit mourning over it, we have now quenched the Spirit of God. Amen? Folks, I'm talking in America today. You know time is getting short. Being a member in a church don't mean a whole lot. I hate to put it that way, but you've got to have Jesus Christ, and we've got to have Him every day, every moment of the day. And what happens is whenever we quit mourning over sin, 
sin that we're trying to overcome. We keep it hid from others. We won't even ask people to pray for us because we're afraid of what they're going to think. That's the work of the devil. It's how deceptive that he is. It doesn't matter to me if you think bad of me for the places I've been before I got saved. What matters is, is now you know what Jesus can do. And if I know that you have that in you, I will be mourning and praying for you. Because that's something you need to overcome. Amen? I know this is tight. 1 John 2 and 1, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, anybody in here sinned? Even after you got saved. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, the devil walks around, and by the way, he knows this book better than any of y'all and me included. He knows it. He's the guy walking around, probably in this day and age, he's got his cell phone. Back in the olden days, he probably carried a notepad and a pencil, a good sharp one, because he does a lot of writing. And what he does is he stands back, Linda, and he watches you. And that very second you make a mistake, that very second of that thing that you're battling with, whatever it might be, he's writing it down. And she didn't just do it once, she did it ten times. In this day and age, he uses his cell phone, and he records the videos, takes the pictures, or he types in his answers right there. And by the way, they're under lock and key, because if you don't know the code to someone's phone, you'll never know what they got. See, that's the deceptiveness of sin. That's how the devil operates. And he walks around, and he spends time writing down all the times that you have failed God. He does it to preachers, too. Don't he? Because if he can destroy the preacher, he can get to the congregation. Does that make sense? Take the head off of the snake and he can't hurt you. So the devil, he goes around, he keeps the list. I always tell people that's getting married, don't keep a list of right and wrong. If you ever pull that out, you've kept a list. Don't keep a list of right and wrong because you know who now you're acting like? The devil. He walks around seeing who he can destroy. And he might say, Brother Willie, I can't get to you, but I'm going to get to your grandkids. I'm going to make them see this Jesus thing is nothing. This church thing is nothing. And I'm going to come after them because he wants to stop them. He don't know when the day is that it ends. And so he walks around and keeps a notepad. He keeps it all wrote down. But we have an advocate. You see... Instead of me getting all beat up and down and out, just why don't I start praying? And you know, when he comes and tells me, oh yeah, you think you're preaching and, and, and yeah, you did this or you thought that. Oh, I saw what you was doing there. Uh, you don't deserve, you call yourself a preacher. How many of we heard that? You call yourself a preacher? Why? Because I'm not doing what you're asking? I'm not going to do anything that I, that I possibly know of outside of this book. You call yourself a preacher? I didn't call me a preacher. I didn't call me to preach. God did. When he don't want me doing it anymore, I reckon he'll take me out. But is that what we do? 
You see, I've never committed adultery. Friend, let me tell you something. If you're working for Satan, that's exactly what's happening. You commit adultery. You call God your father, but you're doing the deed of the other fellow. You see, we've got to learn how to mourn. We've got to learn how to mourn over these kinds of things. Amen. I know this is hard, but we've got to look at ourselves. We've got to look in the mirror. It's easy. You watch Sweetie long enough, you'll find out she don't have any flaws. I've been watching her for a long time. You know what? Sweetie's got a few flaws. You know what? So does Ken. But at the end of the day, when we go to bed of the night, we snuggle up together. I'm not going to get x-rated. We snuggle up together. And when we wake up the next morning, we're still together. Because I don't need to be looking at what's wrong for I need to be weeping over the things. And she does for me too. I can't change her. She can't change me. Only the Lord can. And I don't know if I believe in this Holy Ghost thing. You better. And I want to invite you this morning. You got a song, George? I want to invite you this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come forward this morning and let us pray with you. I invite you, I implore you, I compel you to come. You don't know if you're going to see tomorrow. None of us do. You don't know if you'll be alive to decide whether or not you want to come back to prayer service tonight. You may not. You might be laying in a hospital, broke up, and, and don't know that you're even in the world. It can happen just like that. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, I invite you, I implore you, I compel you to come and receive from Him. Like Jesus said, He's the comforter. You won't get comforted no other way except by Him. We can pat you on the back. As a matter of fact, we can even pat you in your sin, but nothing changes for you. Only He can take you to the place that you have peace and comfort. How many of us stay awake at night worrying about stuff in the world? Don't worry. Israel was a nation. They quit worshiping God. They got shot out all over the world. Their land wouldn't even grow a blade of grass. Israel's coming back home now. The gospel went out to the Gentiles. And he's going to restore them when the fullness of the Gentiles come in. You think maybe we're getting there? We're getting very close. And I want to invite you to come and to receive the Holy Ghost. Receive of him. If you've been filled, you know, by the way, if I leave this water sitting out in the sun very long, it ain't going to be very good, is it? But it's cool water. It's refreshing. And if I'll drink it up, it will refresh me. Mmm. Oh, boy. It's the way with the Holy Ghost. You got to go back and get your glass filled up again. 
And you got to go back and get your glass filled up again. And you got to go back and get your glass filled up again. And again. And again. And every time you get your glass filled up, you got it. You know where the fountain is then. Uh, you go to where he's at and where he's pouring out. And I'm telling you today, he is wanting to open that well up this morning and just flood this place with his spirit that every single person walking in here and that is sitting here today, you won't even know what time it is on the clock because God is going to be moving. And you ain't going to care. You just don't want to get away from him. Oh, Lord, give me some more. Fill me up a little more. I ain't had enough. It might come in the form of tears. It might come in the form of laughter that you just can't stop. you got so much joy that God has filled you up. I don't know in what form it'll come. He may tell you to run the aisles. I don't know. But He's God. This is His house. He gets to do what He wants to do. And I'm telling you this morning, as a messenger of God, that's exactly what He wants to do. Hallelujah! We need to get excited about God again. We need to get excited about what He can do. And more than anything, we need to know where we can go that we can be comforted. When we don't mourn over stuff, we're in a dangerous spot. Maybe you got lost loved ones or children this morning. Have you started shedding tears yet in your prayers that God save them? Not specifically for something for God to fix. No, God, they need to be saved. And let the Holy Ghost do the rest. Amen. I want to invite you to come this morning. Everywhere. Just get up out of your seat and come to the front and let the Lord pour out His Spirit. What He wants to do.